the Boss Girls, and this is Mind of a Mentor. And it's, we really want to bring cool women who have span, who are in all different industries, and bring them their voices and their stories. So when I first, um, when we first decided to do this new series, I had somebody immediately in mind, and that woman is with us today, Samantha Citro. So to give you a little background on Sam and Mai's, um, how we know each other, we actually went to NYU together, and we both went to, get this, the art school, <laughs> which is called Tish. And Sam went to, she was in acting and I was in film, and that's how we know each other. And basically, you guys are going to hear today how this girl has traversed so many different industries and not just like, oh, dabbled here and there. Like this woman was in leadership positions. Would you give everyone kind of like a cocktail line? If what are your passion projects, right? So I am the marketing and operations director for Immunecology, which is an amazing indie natural luxury skincare line. And I could talk to you about skincare for days. Yeah, Sam did do a skincare tutorial um, on a how-to on Facebook, and I highly recommend you check it out. What does a marketing and operations director mean at a company of, you know, on a good day, six people, and on a bad day, it's, you know, just me in the country holding down the fort. Um, it kind of means <laughs> everything. And... I call myself, instead of, you know, marketing and operations director, the director of GSD or the director of Get Shit Done. I freaking um, love it because that is so true. Yeah. Like, um, which is great. And so basically, you know, what my job is in a nutshell is immunology was founded by this amazing woman named Karen Blue, who has over 40 years of beauty industry experience, has formulated, you know, over 120 different products for giant big name brands, but she's never put her name behind a brand before. And so she started Immunecology as, you know, her passion project. And she is the founder and the face of the brand. And she wants to be out in the world talking to people about, you know, healthy skin and how Immunecology is different than anything else on the market. And in order to give her the freedom to go and do that, she needs someone to run her business for her. And so that's and so that's anything from, you know, setting up trainings to doing sales and managing our junior folks and product development and marketing initiatives. It's just all the things. And it's great. I love it. My passion is, I, you know, I think my passion has evolved over time, getting to the second part of your question. I started as an actor when I was a child. I sang, I danced, like I did, was the triple threat kind of thing. I had a manager and an agent and tried to make it work. And I thought that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. That's why I went to Tisch. About halfway through my career at Tisch, I was struck with this opportunity where I um, would have to be on the road for like 18 months, I think it was. And it was an opportunity that Anyone who wanted to be an actor would never have even thought twice about. They would have just taken it, and I didn't. I couldn't. Yeah, that was your that was your like realization, right? When something, when you're like, wait a second, I should be feeling this way, and I'm not. I need to reevaluate what I've been believing is like my calling, right? Exactly, and that was pretty scary, honestly, because I it seems silly to say I had wanted to be an actor for, you know, 18 years when I'm only, when I was only at the time 19 years old, but I really had, like I grew up doing it. 
I never thought that I would do anything else. Actually, so my sophomore year of high school, this is kind of a funny story. I was in chemistry class and I hated it. And I had a breakdown one day at my kitchen table with my mom. And I was like, Mom, I don't even understand why I have to learn chemistry. I'm going to be a doctor for my whole life. Oh, my God. And now you're in beauty, which is like totally has. Yeah. And now I'm like a ingredient nerd. And I'm calling our, you know, biochemist all the time to understand more about delivery systems and chemistry. Your biochemist is on your seat dial is what you're saying. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But I really, in that moment, was like, I'm never going to do anything other than acting. Why do I have to learn all of the other random stuff? It's clouding my mind from what I want to be doing. I hate this. And my mom was like, listen, you want to give yourself options. You know, being like giving sage mom advice. And I just didn't want to hear it. But anyway, so fast forward, I'm in the middle of a really intense program at Tisch. And I realized... Nope, not for me. But okay, I have to give our I have to give our our listeners some backstory here, you guys. See, okay, so Tish, the the art school is unlike any. It's not your normal college experience, and we all were in very intensive programs. And Sammy would go. So we were actually like we were next door neighbors in our apartment for a while and she would come home just like you were exhausted because you'd been at studio for like 12 hours bawling your eyes out or like just crazy stuff. So I want them to understand that like you were in an incredible program like the Meisner program at Tisch like and also Sammy would bring you to tears like when I would see her perform. I mean this woman is incredible. It's just so interesting because sometimes the people are meant to be in our lives for a certain period of time and maybe passions are meant to be in our lives for a certain period of time, mm-hmm. right? I think that's right. Honestly, you know, people generally give things up when they're not very good at them. I think I actually, you know, not to like toot my own horn, but I think I was actually a pretty good actor. Like, yeah, you, I'm, really- I'm willing to second this. <laughs> I don't know that I was ever going to be famous because no one, you know, it's hard. It's a hard field and... But I think I could have probably stuck it out and done it for a career if I wanted to do it. And I kind of quit doing it in the peak of being good at it, which I think is a little bit crazy. It's yeah, that- you get this offer to go on the road in a regional theater tour for 18 months, which like actors would kill for, and you have this thing in your gut, right? The idea that pa- certain passions are meant to be in your life for certain periods of time, like I had an awesome childhood. My parents gave me everything that I could have ever asked them to give me. But it was also like they had a pretty not great marriage. And their relationship taught me a lot of things. It made me an excellent listener. It made me a great therapist, problem solver, and a situation diffuser. And I think that while I was living at home and while I was dealing with, you know, the brunt of when I was in college, my parents got divorced and it was not like a nice, fun, amicable divorce. It was pretty nasty. I think acting was in my life for that period of time because it was an outlet. It was like my own version of therapy. Um, I was able to work through, work out all of my feelings in class or on stage or on film. You know, in life, I'm a very composed person. Sometimes people call me a robot, emotionless. Um, Which is but, so not true. It's just that I think you you have this ability through your craft, through acting, through the craft of like knowing when it's time to share those. 
because mm-hmm. like when you share them, you go hard. It was in my life for the time that it was there because I needed it. And then I realized that I didn't need it anymore. I was ready to do something else um, and to funnel my passions somewhere else. So wait, so you're actually bringing up something that I want to share with our listeners that I, at least I have found to be true. So you mentioned that you're at the same time that your parents are getting, uh, having a, a, uh, how shall we say, not lovely or pleasant divorce. It was not a conscious uncoupling. Thank you, Gwyneth. (laughs) Um, you are also realizing at this, like literally the same period in time that this thing that you thought was what you wanted to be doing forever is not, you are no longer having those absolute, like, you know, that call to, to act for the rest of your life. Your, your parents let you know that like come graduation, you are financially responsible for yourself completely. Yes, that's right. My, I was very, very fortunate that my parents helped me, put me, put me through college, which was amazing. And I decided to graduate in three years because at the beginning of my career, in my college career, I was like, I want to be an actor and I need to get out there as young as possible. And so I am going to cram all of my classes into three years so that I can graduate early and be young and beautiful for an extra year in the field. Young and beautiful. Into a three-year program and I realize I have no idea what I want to do. I've done zero internships. I don't have a resume of like working experience other than like babysitting and some retail work that I had done in high school. That was a little terrifying. It was summertime when this all went down. I had an apartment and I needed to figure out how I was going to pay my rent when, you know, six months from now my parents weren't paying it anymore. I called a friend of a friend who owned a bar. Steven. So we had this friend, Liza, who's a DJ, and she used to DJ at this bar down the street from us called Exchange, and it was, like, based off of the New York Stock Exchange, and the drink prices would fluctuate depending on market action and, like, how many people ordered a gin and tonic, and then the prices would go up. Anyway, it was cool. It was a real gem. No longer exists, sadly. Yeah, it's gone. But Steven owned that bar and a couple of other bars, and I reached out to him on Facebook Messenger, and I was like, Steven, how are you? Um... I need a job. Do you have any bartending jobs available or hostessing or waitressing or cleaning the floors or literally anything? I just need money. And he wrote me back and he was like, "Mm, I don't think nightlife is for you. I do have these friends though that own a skincare company. Would you be interested in working for them? And I wrote him back immediately and I was like, yes, absolutely. Please put me in touch with them. Thank you so much. Meanwhile, didn't know a ton about skincare I mean, like, as an actor, I was used to doing my own makeup, so I knew a good amount about makeup, but skincare was always kind of last on my list. There was a time when I washed my face with isopropyl alcohol. I met these amazing women, uh, Yoshiko, Meta, um, and Nadia, who has been a, you know, staying figure in my career since the, since the moment I met and interviewed with her, and they were like, we're a really small team and we just need someone to go out into the stores and sell product. Are you interested? And I was like, does it pay money? Yes. (laughs) So uh, I took the job um, and my first post was 
standing at New London Pharmacy, which is um, this tiny little, like, pharmacy, an actual pharmacy, like Walgreens, but small and family-owned, and they have a really interesting creation of beauty products, holding cream in my hand and saying, hello, would you like to try this Candlenut Body Cream? It smells amazing. It feels amazing. I kind of became this, like, skincare consultant slash dermatologist but over the time that I was working there because people would come to me and be like, oh, you work in skincare? Let me show you this weird skin disease. I actually have a rash on my back. Very professional. I was like, I, you know, I would really recommend that you see a dermatologist about that. Eventually, after a couple of months of working just in the stores and saying, you know, hey, let's try this event, and I would bring in my little bowls, and I'd do arm scrubs and massages and have people fall in love with the sense of things. And then um, I eventually started planning some events, like event events for them and working at them, and that was cool. Um, and this is all but, while finishing your last year. Yeah, I was, like, taking, you know, one – or two classes and working like three or four days a week. Yeah. I knew that I didn't want to be on the floor sales support forever. I was really starting to love the beauty industry, um, meeting some really cool people. Like when I was working at ABC, Rosemary Swift from RMS Makeup would come in, you know, once a week with her little dog and she would come talk to me and tell me about how she came up with the different colors in her makeup line and how coconut oil is so amazing for the skin. And she was so cool. And the, one of the things that I love about beauty is it's like the perfect meld of glamour and nerdy chemist. Yes. Because it seems so glamorous from the outside, you know, makeup artists and celebrities and these huge flashy campaigns on billboard signs. But when you actually get down to the nitty gritty, it's about what ingredients do you put in a product to make the skin react in the way that you want it to. Skin is a living organ, the largest organ of your body. And why aren't we treating it that way? Why do we, you know, slab paint on it like it's a shirt or pants or a canvas, something that's not alive? Your skin is alive, it's breathing, it's taking things in, it's expelling things, it's like any, it's like your liver or your heart or your stomach, and it needs to be treated in that way. And so the meld of those two things was just so compelling to me, and I knew that I wanted to do more than just, you know, stand on a floor and sell, which is so important, an amazing job, but it just wasn't the right one for me in the long so, run. So how did you transition from this temporary, what you thought was a temporary, like, I just need to make money to pay my rent, to like getting offered a full-time position at this beauty startup? So I figured that if I wanted to get more involved in this company, I needed to spend more time with the founders and with Nadia, who was their VP of brand development. And, uh, and, um, and a huge mentor for you, yes? Yeah. So they were moving offices from one place to another place that was kind of down the street. I asked if they needed help packing boxes. They were like, yeah, of course. Why don't you come into the office for the next three days instead of going to the store and help us pack up? And I packed my ass off. <laughs> I, I color-coded things. I dusted. I threw things away that weren't needed anymore. I helped with, like, file sorting. I was the best packer in those three days that anyone has ever seen. And so... 
after I did that, I guess during that time, Nadia saw something in me or just desperately needed help from someone who was organizationally minded and was like, hey, why don't you just come to the office one day a week um, and go to the store the other days a week, but I could really use some help. And so I started going into the office one day a week and I would help her pack up press boxes or organize things or, you know, hand fill 500 candle nut body creams that needed to go to a <laughs> event the next day. I mean, I did anything that she asked me to do. And eventually she was like, hey, how about two days in the office and, you know, three days at the store and how about three days at the office and two days at the store. And then eventually I kind of ended up at the office all the time and then we needed to find someone to be in store. And so I helped them hire someone to backfill myself your support. Uh, I was then offered the position of the sales and marketing assistant, which I happily accepted. And I continued to just do whatever Nadia told me. I grew up in a household where anything that I wanted to buy um, needed a formal presentation and also a payment plan. So I remember being like, I don't know, seven, and I wanted a dog. And my dad was like, okay, if you want a dog, you can put together a PowerPoint presentation for me about the different types of dogs that are available and why you want a specific type. And then you can put together an Excel file that set, um, amortizes out the cost of having a dog over the dog's life and tell me how to pay for the dog. And so I put together this little presentation. And anyway, I didn't end up actually getting the dog, which was tragic. When I went in to do my first um, contract negotiation, when they offered me that sales and marketing assistant job, I, I put together a list of all of the jobs, job functions that I would be running as a sales and marketing assistant. So I was like, because I exist in your office, you don't have to hire an office manager, you don't have to hire um, an, a sales assistant, you don't have to hire a marketing assistant, you don't have to hire a social media person, you don't have to hire a digital marketing person, and I, you know, Wrote these all down. You were then like, I wrote this down, is all the value I provide to you guys in yeah. one body. And then, I, and then I put down, you know, what the starting-ish salaries would be for all of those different types of positions. And then I told, broke down what percentage of time I would be spending on each position. And that totaled out to a certain number. And I brought that to my, to my contract negotiation with Yoshiko. And I remember sitting down with her, and she was like, okay, we're prepared to offer you, I think it was like $30,000 um, a year salary, and we will pay for your phone bill and something else. And I looked at her, Yoshiko, please see this paper. And I like slid it across the desk to her. And I was like, this is what I believe that, the, that uh, this is what I believe my value to the firm is. Please review talk it over with your business partners and come back to me with a revised proposal. And then I left. And you were like, this is my value and I'm going to advocate for myself. Like the worst they can say is no. Right. Yeah. Um, and then I would just be in the same boat that I was a couple months earlier calling Steven and asking him for a bartending job. <laughs> there you go. Um, and it actually was, was very successful. And I think they um, respected me for doing it. And I ended up earning a salary that was, you know, a really good wage for someone just coming out of school um, in New York. New York and having to provide for myself and make sure that I had enough money to cover rent and food and the occasional pair of shoes because I do have an addiction. 
that was that was my first job. It was an amazing, incredible learning experience, and it evolved into basically like a national sales and marketing manager kind of job. I was running, you know, 60% of all of our sales accounts. I was in charge of the entire digital marketing. I'm going to call it a department, but it was a department of one. So <laughs> I love it. I love the transparency because I totally yeah. get that. The department of one. Um, I was involved in product development. I was involved in um, creating training manuals for retailers and coming up with store support plans. I ended up going to Indonesia for 10 days to um, both train the new team that we were building there because we were starting to build an Indonesian business. It was an Indonesian skincare line. And also to do market research in Bali with um, some amazing Jammu healers and learning about their fabrics and all kinds of stuff. It was such an amazing experience. And, and I remember one. I remember once you were like, I just pitched to like you're like I just had a meeting with the editor in chief of what magazine was it? Oh, I did a whole day of desk sides with editor in chiefs at Condé Nast. Um, it was. I mean, and beauty editors, I mean, it was, I did so much in that job. Um, I was there for about three years and I did, you know, probably 10 years of work in those three years. When you're working for a small company, you have the good fortune of being able to wear many, many hats and so get some fantastic experience. And, you know, I had my first experience managing people there. I developed an internship program that spit out a lot of really awesome people that went to do awesome things. I helped to manage our sales on the ground sales force. And at, because I had done it, even though I was younger than all of the women that we hired, they looked at me as an equal because I had done the job. And so I knew what it was like to be on the sales floor selling. And I knew how hard it was. Yeah, it was just it was an incredible, incredible experience. Your next pit stop, if you will, was in finance at a hedge fund. And so how did that happen? Because like if things are going so awesome and you're feeling so much like you've learned so much, like what were what was the inkling like, OK, I'm itching to I'm itching to, to try something. So I had been there for for about three years and I felt like I had gained a lot from wearing multiple hats. But the thing that I was missing to take me to the next level of ability was um, structure, learning how to operate within a traditional corporate environment, um, real, real management experience in a department of larger than one. Um, because let, I want to I want to clarify for people, the reason why you want this experience is because tell us about your like you want to have your own uh, brand or business. Yes. Yes, definitely. So I think, you know, down the road and it's an ever changing, um, it's an ever changing target, but down the road, I either want to have, you know, my own brand or my own uh, venture capital firm that invests in beauty brands and cultivates them. Um, but I want to be able to do my own thing and I need, and I needed to understand the structures that had to be put in place to run I, and I'm going to use the word real, but that's not the word that I mean, a real business. Yeah. Um, you mean like a, a, a large team? An institution. Yeah. So I was looking around, trying to find some other things, 
and I interviewed with a couple of other beauty companies and got a couple of offers, but it felt like it would just be a slightly larger version of the same thing. So I was going from a department of one to a department of four or something like that. And it wasn't quite clicking. And I got a LinkedIn message from a recruiter for um, Bridgewater, which is um, the largest hedge fund in the world in um, AUM. And I was not going to respond. And then I came back to my apartment that night and my boyfriend, Max, who I've been with for now uh, five years. So I came home and I told Max that I had gotten this message from this recruiter and I was like, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to do anything about it. And he was like, what? Are you kidding me? Bridgewater is so cool. Like, you have to read about it. You have to go. You at least have to take the phone call. And I don't know if you guys know anything about Bridgewater, but they have this really cool culture, um, they say, of radical truth and transparency. And it was something that intrigued me to take the phone call. So I get on the phone with the recruiter, and he's like, we really love getting people from different backgrounds. We don't want typical finance people working at, at the shop. And so I'd love to have you come in and, and meet with people. But first, you have to go through our um, like psychological evaluation testing. Psychological evaluation testing. Yeah. And so I did. And it was so cool. I mean, I took personality tests. Myers-Briggs. Myers-Briggs, yeah. So oh, my I God. I love a good personality test. And I did like a... Uh, stratum tests and a couple of other things and I learned so much about myself during these tests and then they were like okay now you can come in and so I came in and I did this crazy 12-hour interview day and I just fell in love with the place um, because this wasn't to give our to give our listeners some context they're not asking you to manage a fund they're asking you to manage the people that manage a fund Exactly. So they separate management from content people. And so they were bringing me in for a management track role. And everyone was so smart. I left the day and my brain hurt. And that's how I knew that I wanted to take the job. Because if I can go somewhere where every day when I leave my brain hurts, I know that I'm growing. And I decided to take it and I stayed. And while I was there, I did a bunch of really cool things mostly in the project management space. I did a, some people management too. I learned a ton of techniques for managing processes and procedures. I was a CAO, which is a chief administrative officer and a chief of staff for our research department. It was great. It was an awesome experience. The skills that I learned there, I will take everywhere. Uh, whether I stay in beauty or don't stay in beauty. Right now I'm leaning towards staying in beauty for quite a while, but even if I don't, the skills that I learned at Bridgewater transcend role, they transcend industry. It's really about how to get the most out of the people that you're working with. This girl was commuting from Manhattan to Connecticut every day. Like, what was it? A two-hour commute each way? Hour and a half commute each way? Yeah. 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 So you would leave your apartment at what? Like six? 15, 630 and like come home at like 10. Yep. Yeah. So even though she's like has the best attitude about it, like this wasn't like you, you were hustling. Girl, you were hustling. Not a cakewalk at all. And as I had desired, every day I left, my brain hurt. 
Um, <laughs> so much pain. <laughs> but it was good pain. It was growing pain. I was there for about a year. And again, the same way that Juara felt like it packed 10 years of experience into three years, I would say that in my one year at Bridgewater, I gained five years of experience because it was so intense. You're constantly on. You're, you're constantly being challenged. Mediocrity is not acceptable. And that is definitely something that I will take with me. I was saying, I, I did another interview type of thing, and Lucy was listening to it, and she, I said this quote in it, that I'm not a perfectionist, I'm a do-it-rightist, and she loved that. Um, I love that. you Just how you were saying earlier, you were like, if I'm going to be packing boxes, I'm going to be the best damn box packer you, you've ever seen. Yep. Um, Bridgewater, the finance hedge fund crammed a ton into a year or however long it was. And then you transitioned back into beauty. Yep. So funnily enough, I keep feeling like I am falling into these different opportunities, but I think it's just because I put myself out there a lot. And so things come to me and I either say yes or no. And I tend to be pretty decisive about making changes or doing things. And so I was in Italy on vacation, again with Max, and I got an email from this woman named Karen, and she was like, oh, like your resume somehow fell through the cracks. Are you still interested? And I wrote back to her, and I was like, hi, sorry, I don't know what you're referring to, but um, I'd love to chat. And we had a coffee chat one morning. I went into work late. And because this is, you had applied to this, I guess, nine months or something crazy prior. Yep. Yeah. About nine months prior. And I went to her apartment and we had a coffee chat and she was like, I am a partner at this amazing private equity fund called Lucas Brand Equity. We invest in small skincare, beauty, hair care, cosmetics companies, and we incubate them and we grow them and then we sell them. And that's what we do. And I was like, that sounds perfect to me. That is exactly what I want to do. It's like the perfect meld of the two worlds that I had been living in, beauty and finance, finance management. And I wasn't ready to make the move at the time, but I kept chatting with Karen. And I think, you know, after six months of talking to each other, I was finally ready to come back to beauty. I felt like I'd gotten a lot out of Bridgewater and was ready to move on. And so I ended up taking this job with Immunicology. And I've been there since January. And we talked a little bit about at the beginning of this session about what I do for them. I basically, you know, run the business so that Karen can be the founder and face of the brand. Karen, this person that I'm talking about, is both a partner at Lucas Brand Equity and also the founder of Immunicology. And then Lucas Brand Equity owns a bunch of other different brands. And I get to chat with other brand presidents about how they're running their businesses. And we learn a lot from each other. You took your massive, like, running an institution and then you brought it back down to the small scale of a small beauty brand. Exactly. And yeah. so I stepped in. I created some order out of, out of chaos. I reevaluated our team structure. I uh, cleaned up some some other stuff that was going on, and I helped to create projections to put us on a concrete track forward. And then from there, I've been using a lot of the skills that I learned at Juara to run the business day to day. 
And, you know, when I first got there, I was supposed to just be the marketing director. And then um, I saw a hole in operations and I quickly took that on. And then recently uh, we've needed some help in our sales department. And so I've taken that on now too. And so now I'm the director of 80 things. And that is how I got here. When I close a sale or when I, you know, can cut costs for our team or when I can, um, when I can coach someone into doing a better job than they did yesterday, um, or I can help someone whose morale was low and raise it and make them and re rejigger their job so that it, so that it plays on their strengths and doesn't, you know, focus on their weaknesses. Those are successes to me. Guys, thank you so much for joining us on Mind of a Mentor. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening. Everyone, lovely weekend. Sam, you know I love you. And we will uh, we'll talk soon, everybody. <laughs>